episode of Café con Chisme. I'm Seb. And I am Yaz. And today in light of the LA City Council leak of racist comments by the three city council members and the president of the LA Federation of Labor, if you're in LA, you all know the story. Um, If you're near LA, you probably know the story too. Uh, I believe it made national news when uh, President Biden had to jump in and tell these girls to go home. Not old, not old Joe. <laughs> Joe was like, huh? <laughs> so the Latins are <laughs> The Latins are at it again. <laughs> um, okay, so we have folks engaging in anti-black and anti-indigenous language caught on... Audio. Audio. An audio leak. Audio leak. WikiLeaks. So- <laughs> Leaky pipes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, they were caught. There's evidence, obviously. Um, that is not where it stops. Um, all of that meeting was actually set to create um, districts, redistricting voting districts that would actually continue to marginalize black people in Los Angeles. So talking about institutional racism, um, anti-black, anti-indigenous folks, this is real stuff affecting real people. Um, We're going to talk today a little bit uh, about where does that come from? Where, how can we make sense of this? Um, we did a post on our Cafe Con, at Cafe Con Chisme on Instagram uh, regarding um, how Latinidad can be super harmful. In fact, it is colonization in Espanol. <laughs> yes, and there were some comments, there were some questions, and I, we thought it would be a great idea to come back on here and maybe break down what some of those posts we were getting at, especially as how they connect to the leaks from LA City Council, that LA City Council meeting. Um, we also want to say that we're not going to repeat what was said, um, what the what the nasty comments were, because we don't want to give them more power. And if you really want to know, you can look it up. It's all over the internet, and you can find that information yourself if you are so inclined to hear the trash that came out of their mouth. Absolutely. So one of the greatest things that were questions, comments, concerns that we received coming out of these conversations was how can Latinx, Latinos, Latinas, um, Chicans, Chicanas, exactly. (laughs) How could we as a community um, really be considered racist or really be harmful in terms of racist uh, racism? Mm Let's talk about it. Let's talk. Let's about get into it. it. So you know, Yaz and I have our our Chicana and Chicano <laughs> studies background. We talk about it all the time, um, but it has a purpose here, right? A lot of the stuff that we I think learned and or came into this knowledge over time wasn't only in those classes, but that was like a big space I think where this happened. So I think to start to even start to unpack these comments about white supremacy and Latinos and racism is to start to understand colonization a little bit and this isn't going to be a whole history lesson but we just want to kind of clarify right when we talk about colonization we're talking about the um british or sorry the european well including the british settlers um, and colonizers as some people might refer to them as who came to the americas and took over the land took over um the resources killed many indigenous people enslaved african people um and 
oftentimes when we talk about that, a lot of folks have this idea, and you know, including me for a very long time, that because this was such a long time ago, what was the connection to how does that look today, right? How does that impact today? And I think it's important to think about colonization wasn't only the control and domination and taking over of land and resources, the pillaging of land and, and enslavement of indigenous and, and African people and black people, um, but the legacy of that lives on, right? Like we think of the reason we don't learn certain things in school is because of a colonial educational kind of system, the, the justice system, um, the, gov- the way the government is structured, right? The constitution, all of these things that we learn about in school about American history and historical moments and people and documents are all still rooted in the idea of colonization, which is to um, exert domination, right? For your own, I don't know, self-interest. Econ- economic gain, and, really. And economic gain, <laughs> right, absolutely. When we talk, so we're going to focus today primarily, obviously um, colonization, we could talk for hundreds of hours about how... I was say hundreds of years. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, huh? Um, about how colonization has affected um, people all over the world, globally. But for purposes of today's conversation, we're probably going to focus more on the Southwest of the United States. Yes. Um, shout out to the Southwest. I'm woo, all Aslan or what? <laughs> Huh? Oh, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> I don't want to throw you off. <laughs> yes, let's focus. Okay, so um, yes to everything Seb just said. <laughs> also, um, I think coming from this um, conversation of colonization is the narrative that Mexicans are all 50-50 indigenous Spanish folks, right? Yes. Um, Folks came over, uh, raped, pillaged, and destroyed um, the indigenous populations, and thus came Mexicans. 50-50, split down the middle. We know that's incorrect, um, scientifically and other ways. Mm-hmm. And so I think we should kind of take it back a little bit and talk about after what happened immediate, immediately after colonization. Much like in the United States, after um, the British came and... Um, you know, colonized here in on the East Coast, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they th- from there was created this racial caste system um, where white uh, lineage or European lineage was at the very top, holding the most value, um, and indigenous and black lineage was um, held with the least value. I want to be very clear that it's um, similar to what happened on the with the Spanish colonization Mm. I think oftentimes because people from Spain speak Spanish there may be a um, maybe a mystification of whether or not they're people of color Mm. and so if they're colonizing something um, maybe they're not white Um, I want to be very clear. It is European lineage. Um, The colonizers enacted upon spreading both Catholicism and whiteness across the Americas. Um, And so from that came something called a caste system. Uh, And if you haven't heard about it yet, we're going to just break it down briefly. uh, Shout out to our Chicano Studies um, history professors. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So basically, there was a spectrum (laughs) 
And this sounds awful, but it, it was true. And I want to be also acknowledged that the caste system, while it no longer um, institutionally exists, um, like it's not written on your birth certificate anymore, it's still very much upheld um, culturally. So the caste system had a spectrum. The highest would be Spanish or Espanol, um, and they would write that on your birth certificate. And the lowest um, value would be indígena, or if there were African ancestry in your um, in your lineage, that would be written on um, on your birth certificate. Now I don't remember, so please don't get mad at me, Chicano professors. Uh, um, not you. Oh. Uh. <laughs> The shade of it all. Okay. I don't remember all of the the different steps that were in between that spectrum. Mm. There was quite a few, a lot more than the United States. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I found it. If you want to. There were Spaniards at the top. Criollos, who were (laughs) offsprings of the Spaniards born in the Americas. Okay. So like first gen. Yeah. Essentially. Right. Um, First gen, pure, pure purely Spanish. Spanish race. Okay. Mm -hmm. Or Spanish lineage. Um, then there were mestizos, who were people, this is what we were talking about earlier, right? People of mixed European and indigenous ancestries. Oh, that's right. Okay. Then there was the term mulatto, which I think is a term that we don't try to say anymore, but it's people who had uh, mixed European and African ancestries. Um, they had the term zambos or sambos, and beneath that was, which was people who were mixed indigenous and African. Then it was indigenous. And then it was Africans. And this is like the social caste <clears throat> system. And I think in not just Mexico, but Latin America, right? Right. Um, and so I want to be very clear in acknowledging how that is also a system of white supremacy where we may not have, I know I didn't previously make the connection um, between the system of white supremacy here and that of um Latino America, mm-hmm. um, just because my whole life experience has been in LA. Mm-hmm. But I do think that um, in order to have a clear understanding of the harm that those um, comments um, had, I think it's important to acknowledge like all of this yeah. and that there is a system of hierarchy and that even though Homegirl was the first Latina president of the city council, this is why uh, what she said was still so incredibly racist and harmful to communities all over um our country really yeah and you know i want to kind of go back to what you were saying earlier about the 50 50 um you know there's this like kind of narrative historical narrative whether like you were saying accurate or not that mexicans are half indigenous half spanish um that idea gets used a lot to then say, like, we are a people of this kind of mixed heritage, mixed lineage. And I think because Latinos do experience racism and discrimination in the United States, even though not equally across the board, right? Because if you're a white Latino or Latina, obviously you're going to be racialized differently. Class also plays a role, gender, expression, identity, all those things. Um, But what that myth does of the 50-50, it erases... I think, first of all, it erases um, black Mexicans or, pe- or black people who have ancestry in, in, Mex- in Mexico. Um, and it also creates the idea that if you're a white Mexican or white Latino, this 50-50 then says, oh, but we're indigenous too, even if they maybe don't have an indigenous kind of lineage mm-hmm. or background. 
So I think that is one of the kind of confusion parts of all of this is that it we have this idea that, oh, because that's the lineage, that automatically makes us people of color. Latinos experience racism, so automatically all Latinos are prone to racism. Like, but like colorism, racism, right? right. And we've in, in previous episodes we've talked about how it's a lot more complicated than that. Um, and so I think what happens is that then you have people kind of claiming sometimes, especially if you're light skinned or white, you're claiming maybe racism or you know based on phenotype or based on race, based on color, that is not actually. Accurate. Accurate. And I would go further in that in saying that you're not just claiming racism, but you're giving yourself a pass to also participate in racist behavior. Absolutely. Um, because it's kind of like, well, I'm this. I can't be that way. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and and that's just uh, literally um, incorrect. <laughs> so we see that it's a system of white supremacy and a system that was upheld many, many years ago, much like, um, you know, the the system that we had here in the United States with slavery and how those harmful effects have landed to today, mm -hmm. right? Talking about um, owning property, um, socioeconomic status, educational attainment, health, um, longevity, um, everything, right? Um, so why would we think that that would be any different in the system of colonization on the Southwest, right? So when we look at Mexico's economy, we know um, that it's operating under a white supremacist uh, system. Mm -hmm. So we have that laid down as the basis. Now, that also um, speaks to the relationship between the United States and Mexico, right? Economically speaking. Um, and that um, will then further go into how the relationships between the two countries um, impact migration. Mm. So, you know... I'm not going to say exactly what uh, Martinez said in the recording, but I will say that she made reference to Oaxacan um, immigrants mm -hmm. living in L.A., mm -hmm. um, which there is such a large number of um, Oaxacan, uh, Oaxacan people here mm -hmm. in, the, in, the, in the state. Mm -hmm. um, but it's not like people just decided to wake up one day and um, come over to the United States because people are just going to like um, welcome them with open arms, right? right? Like this is systemic um, and it began in, you can see a shift, a very obvious shift after NAFTA, which was a trade agreement between Canada, Mexico and the United States where it was very low tariffs. Um, they weren't charging each other um, so much on on trade mm -hmm. on trade and trading goods, and they also were able to put patents and monopolize their um, crop, right? And so, what happens when you monopolize something is that everybody goes to you for a product, and you can charge very low rates. So, imagine being a hometown um, farmer, right? Like you grow vegetables in the back, you in your, your backyard you pay for everything out of pocket you don't pay at wholesale prices everything's a little more expensive so you sell your goods more expensively right now um imagine comparing your rates to walmart people are going to shop at walmart mm -hmm. so that is what happened to the economy of mexico after the nafta agreement it completely obliterated um indigenous communities uh, economy and be, and the ability to self-sustain. 
Um, and so that increased migration um, after 1994 from the south of Mexico, which were from um, states like Oaxaca. And they migrated and they settled uh, many in LA, but I believe, Seb, you mentioned that the second highest population of Oaxacan folks is in Oxnard. Oxnard, outside of Oaxaca, yeah. And I mean, I think, like we said, it, all across the state and probably the country at this point too, but there is a huge Oaxacan diaspora in California. Right. It's important to acknowledge that while they're coming and working and laboring, that the value of them were, was placed solely upon their ability to produce labor, right? right? Um, and the fact that the reason why what she said was so harmful is because she's completely ignorant to why they came here, mm-hmm. what they're contributing to the community mm-hmm. as a whole, mm-hmm. um, and her increased need to disassociate herself from people that come from the same country that she does. That's the economic kind of component, the political component, right? History is important, why why things are the way they are, and so why comments like what Martina said and other the others also. Um, and I also wanted to add too that, you know, you know, this example of NAFTA that Yaz is talking about is like the example of a like modern day co- kind of colonial relationship, right? Where the US and Canada are still on the they're getting the better end of that deal um, in so many ways, right? And so that's from like the economic kind of political side. And then the other side is also like the cultural, um, how does colonization look culturally today, right? One thing I really want to say, and I say this in my classes too, is colonization maybe maybe started back when the, the settlers first arrived, but it never ended. And I think that that's a hard one that sometimes we can't wrap, I, I couldn't wrap my mind around for a long time because it was like, well, no, that was hundreds of years ago. We're in a new, you know, civil rights. And it's like, no, <laughs> everything by design, everything from power systems to patriarchy to white supremacy to, like I was saying, the, the justice system informed by that. And then culturally, what does that look like? We've seen, we've heard those comments and we've talked about this before on the show in previous episodes, but thinking about like when babies are born in our families, right? And the lighter skinned babies get some praise or positive commentary. And if the baby is not white or phenotypically maybe has different features, there's negative comments, right? Or negative associations. Um, It could be who are the novelas that you watch on Univision, right? Mm -hmm. The actors are all blonde and blue eyed, green eyes, right? the fact that the biggest reggaeton artist, reggaeton, which is a black genre of music, the biggest reggaeton artists in the world are white. La, <laughs> Rosalia. The ones, La Rosalia, Bad Bunny, like Becky G, who's mm-hmm. not even, she's Mexican. We went talking about Rosalia being from Spain. Oh, right. She's not even from. I always say Rosalia, and people are going to say something, Rosalia is like the modern day Rosalia Durcal, because she was Spanish playing Mexico. Mexican music. Yeah. And people loved her. I mean, I love her, but like, it's the colonization part for me. Um, But that's, I think, one thing to kind of unpack this. It's like not just politics. It's not just history. It's not just culture. It's so embedded in everything Mm -hmm. um, to, to again, just make the connection, right, of what comments like that and what um, attitudes like that they are obviously racist, but they're also connected to like a longer, really horrible history. Of white supremacy. And so I think that what happens there is um, bringing white folks to the front, no Mm -hmm. matter what, right? Even if everyone speaks Spanish in the room, great. Who looks the whitest, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so now that we have that foundation and we've all agreed that that as like systems that have been operating since 
the beginning of colonization, we can understand why a word like Latinidad um, can be harmful. So, like, let's break down now, like, what we met in our post that where people were like, hmm, st- okay. <laughs> um, yes. because, right, okay, so who created the word? Like, where did the word begin? Because we don't remember, it's been used since, like, the 40s, I believe, mm-hmm. um, in, like, with, like, Latin American scholars, mm-hmm. but it was very much championed and drilled home by U.S. presidents, mm-hmm. like, um, I want to say that Reagan, Nixon, um, and... Who did the good neighbor policy? Was that Roosevelt? Mm-hmm. Which one of the Roosevelts? Mm, I wasn't a history major. <laughs> My U.S. presidential history is shit, but... But <laughs> <clears throat> that's neither here nor there. So um, basically, it's important to acknowledge why, why or who mm-hmm. drove down these terms for people that were not... that. They weren't part of the community. Yes. Like, why was this white president so excited to call everybody that? Why was it easier for people? Why does the census look the way that it does? Let's uh, talk about Okay, it. yes. A lot of good questions. <laughs> um, so first, Latinidad is a Spanish word for, I think, an equ- equivalent to, like, Latinoness, right? Like, what encapsulates Latinidad? Who is Latino, Latina, Latinx, Latine? Who, you know, what countries do they come from? What languages do they speak? What's the culture? Um, I think generally we can say that people who are of Latin American descent are people from Latin American countries. And I think that's most of Central, South America, and the Caribbean. Yeah, it just basically means who was colonized by Spain. Yes. But sometimes Brazilians identify as Latinos, even though... They were colonized by the Portuguese. Yes. And so that's, you know... I think identify how you will, right? It also refers to Latinos in the U.S. So Latinidad is this big kind of umbrella term that includes a lot of people of different races, different ethnicities, different languages, different histories, um, but then gets used to kind of bridge everyone together. And I think to what you just said is Latinidad, what holds us together, our colonization from Spain, which is right, which makes us have to sit back and think about um, what is being held up in in that word and in that usage. So if the only thing that binds us together and that makes us um, brethren <laughs> is that they were all um, that we were all colonized by Spain, meaning we all speak the language, whatever, um, that means that we that they were all in one way or another. Um, the caste system was applied to them, right? Meaning that there's value, again, going back to earlier in the episode, on how much European lineage you have in, in your bloodline. And how, what, how does that translate into what Latinidad really is? Right. And I want to go back a little bit real quick to what you were saying. The term of like Latin America and Latino, I think, doesn't really, like she was saying, um, doesn't really emerge until the 1940s. And I have the article somewhere, and I can't find it, but I think it was a French like a philosopher or French politician of some kind who was creating the idea of Latin America first by nations that were once owned by Spain but explicitly because Haiti had the first successful slave rebellion right Mm -hmm. Um, they were not included in that imagination that in, in that image of who Latin America is because they were really the they were really um, 
I think it was U.S. presidents, it was leaders in Latin America as well, were really invested in creating this Im- image of Latin America as not being explicitly black mm-hmm. um, or indigenous. Right. Right. And so we think of, to kind of follow what this conversation we've been having of what does that mean then, um, it, it creates an image of who we see when we think of Latinos, like who comes to mind and, and who, what is the history that comes to mind, if any. Um, and oftentimes... It's not uh, people who have black ans- who are black or who are indigenous historically and presently today. When we think about the purpose of um, that, it was also to bring Christianity to um, the Americas, right? Um, Catholicism and Christianity. Um, but it also um, the way that manifest destiny was in the United States where it was like God's will mm. to completely make everything white and mm-hmm. um, and Protestant mm-hmm. the same way that it was for them with the missionaries mm-hmm. and trying to make everything like Spanish and Catholic. Right. So um, it's important to realize or it's important to remember the root and the purpose of this mm. because if its purpose is to make everything white and uh, Christian or Catholic, then what would we think would be happening today, right? right? Like, it doesn't just stop being that way in, like, 1965. Right. Like, it is something that is entrenched in our makeup industry, in our um, fitness industry, our in food our industry. food industry. That's a big one. In every single component of our society. And so much so that when we hear things, things like this on recordings it's almost like yeah i have a tia that talks like that yeah i have a cousin who talks like that and and it we understand it's wrong because everybody agrees it's wrong but there's a lot of people that were coming out like you know i have family members that speak this way Mm -hmm. so if anything it served as a mirror Mm -hmm. for people to realize um we have to start the work in decolonizing ourselves and our minds because this type of language is harmful, um, it's destructive, and it's continuing and perpetuating white supremacy and colonization. They're speaking like colonizers. A hundred percent. They're speaking like colonizers. I don't care if you dress up in a mariachi outfit on Cinco de Mayo or El Dieciocho or Dieciséis. Okay, my bad. Please don't come. The show me. is Chile. Okay, yeah, I knew I had a reason. We're mi- we're um, we're mi- multi-ethnic Latinos. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, yeah, it's it's important to to see that because it's like it doesn't matter if you are the first Latina. <laughs> and like that, you have to say it. Like you have that to say too. it like that because, girl, that's what you earn. You're the first Latina president. Right, Oof. we love your red lip girl on on Hispanic Heritage Month. Do we? <laughs> but in in a um, facetious yes, way. Yes. But it's like that is what we get. We get a red lip on um, in September. And a we, bad wig. We get a bad wig. We get um, a bright colored blouse. That is progress. That we are, as little girls, I think in her apology, oh she said, little girls know, Latinas. little Latinas know that you can continue to believe in whatever I'm you like, want. Why are you so stuck on calling people that? My thing is like, this is not progress. And I hope that this gives us an opportunity to like sit back and reflect that um, all 
all skin folk are not kin folk. You no. can't just assume that because you are like a person that identifies as Latina that you're doing anything for anybody. Like representation is a trap and representation is not enough. And I think that this is a perfect example of what we mean by that. And it's giving 1960 too. Mm. Like, I understand, and I want to acknowledge our um, ancestors mm. and our elders mm-hmm. in the Chicano movement. Sure. Sure. About um, needing to vote for people that had, like, Hispanic Oof. surnames just because there was nobody else. I understand that there was a need at one point in our, sure. in our history where that was important and that was, that was a win. It's no longer the case. It's no longer the case because these are not wins. No. And again, you can pander. You can wear your mariachi outfit. You can do a little dance. You can speak Spanish perfectly. You can act like you have tios and tias that love eating hot Cheetos. Like you can do whatever low down basic level shit you want to us. But we, it's not enough anymore. And I hope that, that you can understand that you can be holding all of these trinkets and these costumes and still be a white supremacist perpetuating colonization. I want to maybe say that we're including, like this, we're talking about liberal slash Democrat Latin, Hispanic, right? Because we also know that there is like Republican conservative, like Latinos who are probably... We're like, duh, girl. Yeah. Yeah. We're not, I mean, those are a problem too, but we're talking about the ones who pretend not to be. Exactly. At least with like Trump supporting Latinos, I know where to place you. Well, hey, girl, welcome. <laughs> we know where you've been. Take off that red hat; does not match anything. Right. Um, but not we're talking about yet. liberal, según you know, allegedly liberal or Democrat Latinos, people in power, and to what Yaz was saying, I would say politicians be the most wary of of politicians. <laughs> I mean, across the board, always in general of everyone. But to what you were saying about the don't vote by last name politics, mm-hmm. please don't be that. We we can't do that anymore. Like we right. really can't. I, I I think we I think I want to repeat what you just said because it's so important. Like when we talk about liberals or Dems or progressives, those words are so interchangeable. Like they're mm-hmm. used so interchangeably, mm-hmm. and it's just not true. Mm-hmm. It's not true. Um, we have Democrats that are horrific. Mm-hmm. We have liberals, quote, quote, liberals that are horrific. This was progress, right. babies. Our city council a month ago, the way that the, it was made up was progress mm-hmm. to us. And look at the progress that we were reaping. They were literally trying to set up black people so that they didn't have any voting power. When you talk about Jim Crow, like you want to talk about who, like... I don't understand. So it's 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 taking the role of the oppressor the second you are no longer oppressed, and it's giving like basic level. Yeah, it's. I don't remember what book it was what? when we talk about the oppressors turning into the oppressed. Is it Richard Rodriguez? Oh, oh, I was thinking like Freddy, like mm. pedagogy of the oppressed. Pedagogy of the oppressed as well, right? Thinking about yeah, you have a choice. You have a choice because the oppressed can become oppressors. That's what Freddie's talking about in that book. And in, in like a spiral other conversation that we won't get into, it is encouraged in capitalism. Oh, yeah. So I would say like be wary. I'm all look all around you. It's everywhere around you. Spooky season Halloween. <laughs> it's through the door, Harry. <laughs> and we have to laugh to keep from crying, quite frankly. Yeah, that's why I have a British alter ego now. 
She just comes in and kind of tells us where we're going, even if we're having a sad day. Just a ghost of colonial past yeah. or what? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, so I think we've we've covered a lot. I think it's important that this is where we say, you know, not all Latinos equals people of color. Some Latinos are people of color and some Latinos are white. We've talked about that. Let's just keep that in mind. What the problem is with that, I think Yaz already touched on it a bit too, right? When you say all people of color or all Latinos are people of color, then this is again where you have white people claiming to experience racism just because they have a Spanish last name or because they have their first generation or because whatever, right? Um, And identity is complicated and racism is complicated and it's not a one size fits all and it's not like one thing applies to everyone, but that's the whole point. Right? We need to be cognizant that it's not, it doesn't, we don't experience discrimination and racism as Latinos e- equally across the board. Right. And I think that um, that is what liberal or progressive Latino politicians use because yeah. they want to rely on these old fashioned ideas that it's like, stale. you're from the, com- you're, I'm a member of your community. Mm-hmm. Like, isn't Marco Rubio Latino? Mm-hmm. Isn't Ted, Ted Cruz. Cruz Latino? Mm-hmm. You want those trash boxes that fucking... Not Kevin from The Office. Huh? What? <laughs> Ted Cruz. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I need to make that connection. I always do. Um, we don't have a white history month, right? Right. We don't have a... We don't have white power, at least not socially acceptable, I want to say. Like, right. outwardly white power movement. Like, government... Um, funded. Funded holidays. Okay. Right. Fourth of July. Right. We have a government funded as that. (laughs) As a white supremacist. (laughs) But we don't have like a white history month, right? It's no longer something you say out loud if you don't want to get beat up in Los Angeles. (laughs) So if Latinidad, if the only thing that binds us together by Latinidad Mm. is that we or Hispanic, Hispania, right? (laughs) If the only thing that brings us together by that is in fact the colonization that we've all of these countries have endured um, by Spain, which is another code word for um, the white supremacist um, manifest destiny of the mm-hmm. of the Latino Americas, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, then, what does it mean when we say like Latin History Month or Hispanic Heritage or Hispanic Heritage Month? Why don't we have a Oaxacan um, History Month? You know what I'm saying? Like, why not give people their flowers? Because what we're doing here is lumping everybody into a category mm-hmm. that the category is, again, created by the oppressor. And the only thing that gets us into the um, category is how much we are associated with the oppressor. Mm-hmm. So we're really not celebrating the people. We're celebrating the colonizer and how much he was able to colonize and conquer. And now we get a month of, of celebrating that we don't celebrate white history month because we don't need to celebrate the colonizer everything is the colonizer yeah. so why would that be different from hispanic it's like the government gives us breadcrumbs and we get really excited about it but we're not really being uh critical about what that means and listener you might be saying to yourself right about now but what about black history month that is not the same thing Right, like Black History Month and Hispanic Heritage are doing different things, and I think the the association that Latinos are people of color, then it's like, well, if Black History Month exists, then we have to have Latino you know, heritage or whatever. But they're not mutually exclusive. 
Right, but that's what I'm saying. So if you're trying to go down that path, like pause there first, right? Because Black History Month is celebrating Black, black people. history, Black culture, Black mm-hmm. communities, because they are not celebrated regularly. Right. Um, and they have faced, right? I think what happens with, with the other thing with Hispanic heritage, Latino heritage, that same idea is like behind it, but really what it ends up doing is like uplifting and highlighting those closer to whiteness, those closer in proximity to whiteness or white Latinos themselves. Right. Because um, freaking the ex-president of LA City Council, Nuri Martinez probably would have been up on a float somewhere waving at people for Hispanic Heritage Month and look at how she thinks. Kevin DeLeon still refuses to resign. Mm. Ron Herrera resigned, thank God, but he is the president of a federation of labor. Union members usually don't let you slide with shit like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and Gil Cedillo, my God. <laughs> sir, sir, you are on your way out. Like, he's another one. Like, the Viva la Raza, mm-hmm. but then is out here doing foul shit to... Yeah. I would like to say that we all can do better. Yes. That we all can check ourselves, our friends, our family. Ourselves. I said. Oh, sorry. It's like, <laughs> oh, I thought you were just echoing. <laughs> For emphasis. Okay. Um, To just um, realize that while we love, while we love to celebrate the Aztec warrior Mm. holding the fallen Aztec princess on our blankets, on our walls, Mm -hmm. on our lowriders, on um, just whatever imagery, right? We like to believe that we are close to our culture. Um, but we can't even respect indigenous people when we see them walking down the street. Mm. Um, remember who painted that picture for you? <laughs> who painted that image for you? And also if the image is, of it's those people ac- is white. <laughs> that's my point. It's <laughs> mo- most likely not accurately um, depicted. Right. And so, so I want to say something too before, as we like wrap up today, like one of the posts in our little infographic that's on Instagram said, embracing Latinidad uncritically is embracing white supremacy. The key part there is uncritically. We're not saying don't celebrate or be proud of being Latino if that's how you identify. There's a very different, like you can be proud of who you are and celebrate your culture and your identity and also be critical to hold white supremacy accountable when it shows up in your life, when it shows up in your home, when it shows up in your conversations with friends and partners and colleagues. You can do both for example in that conversation there was four people not one of them stepped in to say oh man that's fucked up yeah maybe that's not all right maybe we shouldn't be talking maybe we shouldn't be talking like this each one of those people held some sort of political power um to say that and they chose not to that is why latinidad is not enough Mm -hmm. and if anything it perpetuates uh, white supremacy. Sorry, girls. In we don't mean to cancel Hispanic Heritage Month, but we're actually leaving it in our um, books. So whenever we <laughs> decide know, to like Nora revisit, Martinez did that all by herself. She canceled it all by herself. The whole that whole all of them did, in fact. Yeah, we were gone. We were gone. How we were retired. We were <laughs> not sleep- retired on hiatus. We were sleeping at Leisure World. <laughs> We were taking a nap. We were in hibernation. We were like like, little bears. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, we looked up in the sky and it was said, Cafe con chisme. We have an emergency in downtown Los Angeles. And we were like, What? What? We got up. Dust off these microphones. (laughs) We're like, Oh, fuck, we do. But we're, we're here. We're back. We are back. 
We are back. We are back. We are back. Guess who's back? <laughs> okay, well, there's a lot of songs that say that. <laughs> okay, folks. So, in some in summation, I'm just kidding. In conclusion, <laughs> I think move forward with intention. Move forward with um, self awareness, reflection, looking at yourself, looking at your experiences. How are we contributing? And here's the thing: we all contribute to it, whether consciously or not, because that is what colonization created. Colonization. Colonization. Oh, she's from Wisconsin. Three, I was like, I spent three years in Boston, and I don't oh know what gosh, that was. Oh my gosh, girl, no, you did. No, no, stop. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> thank you so much for coming to our TED Talk. Mm-hmm. We love you. We miss you. We're so excited thank to you. engage in conversation, both on Instagram, Twitter, on the email. Interwebs. Email us. Email us. Y'all are not down to email us. What else you would like us to talk to? Uh, talk People about we used to send us really cute emails we loved it we really really loved it yeah um <laughs> we are going to um try to bring back content as often as possible we're not promising any dates yet <laughs> but we really uh, miss you all and we're happy that you're welcoming us back and a way to help us and celebrate us coming back and i know it sounds like a plug but subscribe where you listen to the show whether it's spotify apple podcast mm-hmm. iheart wherever your podcast subscription is because that helps us if you rate us leave a little comment if you feel so empowered to um and you know where to find us at cafe con chisme on all the social media handles yes so in closing every day in every way you are getting better and better and remember that you know more than you think you know Bye.